We are bombarded with content on social media. Kyle Langvart, an assistant professor at the Nebraska College of Law, is not a fan. No, I don't smoke either. Um, I mean, I just, you know, I don't want to do that to, to myself. In fact, Langvart put off getting a smartphone as long as possible. He just didn't want the added stress. But even just looking at, at regular news, I think there's kind of an addictive quality. And I, I notice in myself, if I've, uh, you know, if I'm reading news as I brush my teeth, uh, that I think my mental state gets a little more, a little more scattered and, and frenetic and, and paranoid. <clears throat> and so I can't even imagine what, uh, in, you know, this kind of video game atmosphere of social media might do. But Langvart does study social media platforms in connection with his work at the Nebraska Governance and Technology Center. This is Faculty 101, Five Things About Social Media and the First Amendment. Kyle Langvart started out looking at the expansion of the First Amendment into areas where it doesn't belong. That kind of work brought me to the, the cases involving, involving computer code and um, the, the application of the First Amendment to like 3D printed weaponry, these arguments that I think are kind of, kind of crazy. And then uh, eventually, sev several years ago, I started thinking, well, maybe at, at some point we'll see some kind of law that tries to constrain these really large platforms' power to, uh, to govern speech. So I, I write about the First Amendment's application to these platforms, but I also write a lot about uh, different types of policy interventions that might be possible either in the near or in the, in the long term, that kind of thing. As part of his research, he addresses the complex free speech and governance issues surrounding social media platforms. Number one, when it comes to social media, the rights of users are, well, weak. The short answer, at least for talking legally, is they don't have any. Um, it, the, the platforms aren't state actors. They're, they're not the government. They're not in some kind of joint enterprise with the government. They don't perform a traditional, exclusive governmental function. So the First Amendment just doesn't apply to them. And we don't really have other, um, uh, other types of anti-discrimination principles that apply to online platforms either. So if, if we're talking about the, the rights of, of users, you know, their rights are really the rights that the platforms grant them. Number two, social media companies do make an effort at self-regulation setting up potential conflicts with freedom of speech. I mean, the platforms have to regulate themselves. If they didn't, the platforms, the platforms would become unusable, and they'd become a pretty serious threat to the public, by the way. I mean, in other countries where, uh, say, Facebook has underinvested in its content moderation oper operation, basically its censors, there, there's been ethnic, ethnic violence and that kind of thing that, that's been linked pretty, pretty clear to, clearly to activity on the platform. So they have to do a lot of that kind of thing. I guess the question is, uh, what kinds of self-regulation do we like and what kind of self-regulation don't we like? And normally when we talk about something like uh, content moderation, 
What we're talking about is the platform stepping in after the fact. You're temporarily blocked from posting on Facebook. And either uh, removing certain posts, suspending accounts. This post has been removed. Demoting speech in people's newsfeed. All of that is, is content-based. And traditionally, at least if we were in a, you know, a normal like First Amendment context, we'd have a very suspicious attitude toward any of that. You know, we apply just the closest possible scrutiny to any kind of content-based regulation. And I think the way that a platform like Facebook is, is set up, there's basically no way around, around doing that. But what I would really like to see from the platforms is changes in the way that it's set up, you know, changes that, that it's designed. One concern that I have about these social media platforms that are ad-based and therefore dependent on, on virality is that they have a tendency to make speech a lot more dangerous than it's, than it's traditionally been. You know, the, the linkage between speech and harm is just much tighter than it's been before. And once you've kind of changed the background physics of speech and communication and, and discourse, I think at a certain point, the freedom of speech is just no longer a viable proposition. And that's basically where we live now. Number three, Twitter tested a feature to encourage users to, as the platform says, read it before you retweet it. If a user tries to share an article on Twitter based only on the headline, a prompt pops up asking if the user wants to read the article first. That's a content-neutral intervention. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't require anybody to come in and make some kind of judgment about what kind of speech is valuable or what's not. Uh, but it has the effect of slowing speech down, maybe making speech a little, a little bit more uh, deliberative and hopefully reducing the prevalence of harm without requiring these kinds of more more disturbing interventions. I think the thing is uh, platforms don't want to do too much of that because once speech becomes too deliberative uh, their, their business model is is shot. I mean what what they want to do is is walk people through um, a, a, an experience that leads them to purchase more products. And so deliberation is basically the enemy there. <laughs> Langvart would like to see more of that type of change in the way platforms operate. As social media uh, attains more and more influence, you begin to move to a point where you, you pretty much just have to rely on, on censorship to avoid harm that's, that's related to speech. And so I think that's a pretty disturbing development. Um, and I'd like to see public policies that tried to head off that, that dynamic. You know, I think that the freedom of speech requires a kind of background social uh, resiliency. And if you're living in a social situation that's characterized by uh, low public trust, hot, hot emotions, a way of thinking about politics that becomes almost like sectarian, you know, um, then you begin, you begin to get to a place where you, you can no longer really say that the best way to address bad ideas is uh, by allowing good ideas to, to flow un, unrestricted. So I think what we really need to do as a society is, 
is try to recreate that, that resilience wherever, wherever we can. Um, but that's a much harder thing to do than just allowing a platform to step in after the fact and take down speech, speech that's bad. Your account has been suspended. Number four, Langvart is working on a project that will examine the role of media and governance. The idea here would be to look at um, not just social platforms, but also more traditional media outlets like newspapers, TV, radio, uh, as, as mechanisms for actually governing and, and constraining, constraining social conduct and, and uh, talking about their interaction with, with legal mechanisms and, and so on. We're planning to draw together scholars from you know, all around the country, all around, around the world, not just in law, but, but also in, in uh, journalism, uh, computer science, out, outside the academy, uh, to, to talk about these things. And number five, it's important for students to learn about these issues and for universities to study them. Different classes can kind of touch on, on uh, technology in, in all sorts of ways, but what gets left out, I think, if you have uh, just kind of scattered references to technology is um, the, the fact that technology itself uh, is a kind of governance institution. That the design of uh, networks and, and infrastructure and, and, and apps have uh, a role in, in structuring social behavior that's really very similar to what, uh, to what law does. And um, if you are, are not mindful of that, then I, I, think, I think you wind up um, missing, missing a lot of insights, uh, not, just, not just in practice, but, but as a citizen. I think the danger is that you can begin to look at these kinds of uh, design, design choices as uh, something other than choices. You can, you can start to look at, at technology as just uh, nature or some kind of un unstoppable force rather than an actual mechanism for, uh, for, for governance. And so if we, we're not aware of that aspect of what, what technology is, how it's constructed, what, what it does, then we can wind up just kind of sleepwalking toward a a kind of uh, technocracy where we've wound up uh, outsourcing all kinds of decisions to uh, people whose names we don't even know. And by the way, I, I would say that's what we're doing with the freedom of speech right now. That's Faculty 101, Five Things with Kyle Langvart. Faculty 101 is produced by the University of Nebraska-Lincoln.